0: Hello, and welcome to the All Things Narrative Podcast, where we explore the relationships between the stories we love and the stories we live. I'm your host, Dare Catch, and let's get started. All right, it's October. We are well into the fall here, and I am back once again on the second Tuesday of the month for another edition of Narrative 101. I hope you guys have been enjoying this. If you're interested at all in narrative practices and storytelling and all these things, then this is the right podcast for you. And I am so glad you are here joining us at all things narrative. If you are in the South Florida area on October 21st, it's a Friday night. We're going to have a storyteller's night that if you want to come out and tell your story or listen to the stories of others and support people, then come on out to that. It's October 21st. Um, at Common Ground Community Development, a.k.a. Venue at 1201. And it'll be a wonderful time. I will be there, and you should be too. So yeah, you know, we've done uh, uh, the last couple episodes, you know, that we've done on, you know, listening and being decentered, yet influential these are all kind of, you know, adding on to things that we've done. And this is another episode that will kind of fill in some details uh, that I have mentioned in, in previous episodes as well, particularly the episode about living intentionally, uh, episode about narrative shaping identity. This is going to kind of fill in some of the stuff that we uh, talked about in those episodes, but giving more depth and, and more, uh, more weight to those concepts, if you will, than I was able to do on those episodes. So, I want to talk about this idea today of reauthoring your life. Sounds pretty cool, right? When I first heard that term reauthoring, I was like intrigued. Ooh, what could this mean? What doors can this open up? And to the idea of reauthoring your life sort of implies with it this idea that you are living a life that you are authoring, right? That you have choices that you make every day that matter. What I love about the word authoring is that when you read a good book, you really get to be inside the author's head. And, you know, if you read like a first person story, you really get a sense of what they're thinking and what they're feeling. And we know that's true for our lives as well. We know that When we experience things, we don't just experience. We have an internal narrative that we're telling ourselves about that experience. You know, we're kind of uh, narrating in our heads. Uh, We're giving commentary. We're expressing emotion. And some of that does come out and some of that doesn't. Some of that stays inward, you know. So this idea of reauthoring your life doesn't mean that we go back and change the past. But it does mean that as much as it is in our control, we can determine what our life can look like and where it can go and who we can be. That's the most important part about reauthoring is what kind of person am I going to be? You know, Michael White, um, who I've talked about on this podcast quite a bit, if you guys don't know, he's uh, one of the influential founders of, of narrative therapy and narrative practices. He said in his book, Map, Maps the Narrative Practice, We authoring conversations invite people to continue to develop and tell stories about their lives, but they also help people to include some of the more neglected, but potentially significant events and experiences that are, quote, out of phase, unquote, with their dominant storylines. These events and experiences can be considered unique outcomes or exceptions. And he talks about that in other works as well, this idea of a unique outcome. So... When you take a narrative in your life, think of maybe one in your life right now that's saturated or dominated by a problem of some sort. So I'm going to get a little personal here with my example. So when I was a teenager, I was most definitely addicted to pornography. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are that just don't admit that because that's a hard and a shameful one to talk about. But this is a great narrative to use as an example here in terms of reauthoring your life. Because for me, all I could see was this problem saturated narrative of, man, every time I go on the computer, you know, that temptation is there. You know, if Parents, if you have, if your kids have open internet access, please shut that down. Um, I I highly recommend that, um, even if your kid is responsible. Um, so for me, it was kind of like, uh, oh, I had the computer in my room and it was open. And, you know, th- this, yeah, it was, it was tough. And so the narratives I had in, from experience was like, man, I just defeated over and over and over again uh, by this struggle and it would consume my time. And, you know, if I wasn't careful, you know, could get in the way of studying and all kinds of important things that were better and needed to get done. So if I was to go back and think about unique outcomes, you know, go through the years and years of that and think about, okay, what are some unique outcomes that did it, that stood in opposition to the problem? One example I could think of was, um, my iTunes on my computer. And sometimes, you know, if I had my headphones in, I would just want to listen to music and making that decision to choose to listen to music. Now, when I listen to music, just so you guys know, this isn't like background music. Like I really immerse myself in music. Like I sit down, lay down, whatever it is, and just take it in. That's why I love like concept albums and rock operas, because you can immerse yourself in the story of of an album uh, that an artist put together. So, For me, I would make a decision like, you know, I'm going to listen to Tommy by The Who or The Wall by Pink Floyd or The Black Parade by My Chemical Romance. These albums that just took a lot of your time and energy to listen to in a good way, of course, I would choose to put that on instead of, you know, looking up. Porn. Or find music, you know, like I've like mentioned Angels and Airwaves on here before, like it's music that is meant to uplift and inspire you to push and do better. So that, those would be examples of unique outcomes where I found moments in the problem narrative that stood in opposition to it. And I've talked about this as well with the idea of alternative stories. You know, what is the alternative story that's going on that stands in contrast to the dominant story that you find yourself In reauthoring conversations, it's getting deeper. Of like, okay, what is it about this unique outcome? What like, what about it worked? Why? Why am I so drawn to that? What I might say about myself is that music is is a part of who I am, and the music I listen to reflects that. And I feel more myself when I listen to that music than I do when I look at pornography, because pornography does not represent who I want to be. Again, the externalizing of the problem, you know? I am this versus I struggle with this. And I knew that there was a part of my identity that was more important than that, and that's what I would hold on to with these unique outcomes here. And those are the things that we want to grab onto in reauthoring our lives is we want to say, this represents the direction that my life can and should, and I want it to go. And this problem doesn't. And so I want to go more in this direction. I want to figure out how do I move more in this direction? Maybe you tear down the sexy bikini posters that you have on your wall and you replace them with sayings or images that better represent what you want to aspire towards. Oh, that could be a whole conversation about how you decorate and how you you design a space and, and what you put in front of you all the time. So yeah, in reauthoring your life, there's another idea that's in there. It's, it's this idea of what's called the absent but implicit. And Jill Friedman, who we've had on here, gives a great uh, kind of summary of this. And I'll, I'll pull it up here and read it to you. So she said, We could describe the absent but implicit as the idea that we make meaning of any experience by contrasting it with some other experience or set of experiences. We make meaning through operations in which we say or think or sense, quote, this is different from that. A single interpretation of any experience is a representation that we could see only because of a background of other contrasting experience. A story about a problem takes shape in contrast to some non-problematic and She gives some example here. So for example, if your problem that you're experiencing in the day is frustration, then you know that frustration is a problem because you have a specific purpose or values or beliefs that you want to align yourself with and there's a tension there. Or if the problem is despair, if you are looking at your life and saying, wow, I'm really struggling with this, it's because you have a particular set of hopes and dreams and visions for your future. Injustice, if you know there's injustice, that implies that there's a standard or a measure of justice to measure that injustice by. If you're wounded and you feel like a part of you is missing or has been hurt, then that implies that there's a recognition of wholeness. And, you know, we could go through all kinds of problems with this. But Jonathan Stillman, in his narrative principles that we've been going through here, he talks about this as well. This is uh, principle 3B, uh, the absent but implicit. And he says here, you know, I love this. Typically, this principle is better understood by saying that when someone identifies that there's a problem, there's an absent but implicit understanding of what would be better, uh, a different direction of sorts in life. And sometimes that comes through knowledge and wisdom that we gain from previous directions that we've taken that we know don't work. You know, that's what a lot of what we're learning in life. And that's what I love about wisdom. Like if you read the wisdom literature, uh, in in the the Hebrew or the Christian Bible, for example, and you see that this road will go here that will take you here to to go back to the the lust and the pornography example there's a, there's a lot of these proverbs about if you go down this street and you know that there's a prostitute that's standing outside the door and is going to entice you in you should go down the other street where <laughs> that temptation is not there so absent but implicit you know you recognize that there's some direction that's better and worth taking and maybe you don't exactly know what that is but you have a you have a sense of it and that's why at all things narrative we talk about this idea of what do you want in life and i'm not talking about the material Things. I'm talking about the deeper, the spiritual, the existential longings that we have of life. And this can be reflected in hopes and dreams. But what do you really want in life? Because what you want in life speaks to you knowing that there is something out there that's worth it, that contributes to us having a meaningful life. Maybe it's wanting to be a dedicated spouse, being a dedicated parent to your children. Maybe it's making a difference in your community. Well, let's go through those for a second. So why do you want that? Why Why does it matter to you that you want to be a good spouse? Maybe you grew up in a household where your parents were not good to each other. Maybe your parents were divorced. Maybe, you know, how many times have you ever said, I will not be like my father, I will not be like my mother, or I will not do things like that. I will try to be better. It's because you know there's some, there's some other way that's potentially better, and you want to go for that. Uh, same with kids. You, you know We don't want to repeat the sins of our fathers and our mothers. We, we want to always do better. Each generation wants to try to do better than the last. Again, and then what's that quest of wanting to be a good parent? You know, if that's what I want, then how am I going to get there? And that's what reauthoring conversations are all about is not just identifying and articulating what we want in life, but also how am I going to get there? And as I've shared on here before, Donald Miller said, a character, someone who wants something and overcomes a problem to get it. Yeah, that's reauthoring right there. Again, that comes through uh, being intentional, through the intentional states which we've talked about, but if you haven't heard, it's really focusing on these different categories that, you know, Michael White talked about quite a bit: you know, intentions, purpose, values, beliefs, hopes, dreams, visions, commitments, ways of living and so on and so forth. So talking about those things, leaning into trying to better develop them in your life. So yeah, being a young man, there was the the goal of, okay, when I get married, I want to be faithful to my wife no matter what. Okay, great. That's what I want. How do I deal with that? Well, you got to deal with the wandering eye. You got to deal with the heart that longs for that, which it can't have. You You've got to... You've got to deal with these things. You've got to externalize these things and realize that these are problems that have come to you and they've buried themselves. They, 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 they could sometimes take root in our hearts. Through reauthoring, we can develop things within our hearts that, again, these intentions that speak to who we want to be You know, I remember when I was doing one-on-one coaching with someone, I'll I'll keep this very vague. They told me in the conversation that they had these mantras and I was like, oh, this is cool. These, and they kind of like didn't think it was a big deal. And I said, this is a huge deal. We should, uh, you know, type them out and print them up and they didn't have access to a printer. So I, they sent them to me and then I printed them out and then I put them in a package, sent them to them and they put them up on their wall. And it was fantastic for them because, because again, we want our hearts, we want our minds, we want our spirit, soul, we want it to be filled with the things that give us life and that speak to uh, who we want to be and where we want to go. But sometimes, again, these things might be there, these things might be present, but we're missing them. And that's why in reauthoring, we talk about the alternative narrative, the alternative story that's there. Here's a great example in fiction that I love. So I recently got to show my kids for the first time The Wizard of Oz, which is cool. They loved it. It was, you know, that's a classic. So with The Wizard of Oz, it's always perplexed me, even as a child, that you had, and and I think I remember my five-year-old actually bringing this up, but, but The Scarecrow Wants a brain. Yet, we see throughout the story, not only can he talk, but he also is the one coming up with the ideas. He comes up with the ideas of making the trees upset so they throw their apples so then Dorothy could get an apple. He comes up with the plan of how they're going to get Dorothy out of the castle from the, the Wicked Witch. The Tin Man wants a heart, yet he's the most sensitive one of them all. His heart breaks for Dorothy and he, he longs for her to be made well. And there's the the lion who wants courage. He sees himself as the cowardly lion. But despite him struggling with this idea of being cowardly and not having courage, he still goes into the situation. He still goes to face the wizard. He still goes into the castle. So in other words there's a dominant narrative that they have. The Scarecrow's narrative is, they didn't give me a brain, my head is packed full of straw. The Tin Man, the Woodsman forgot to give me a heart. And the Lion, I'm the king, but I don't have any courage. That's the dominant narrative that they have. But their journey through Oz helps them recognize the alternative story that's unfolding. And helps them recognize that They do have these things. They do have the capacity for these things. And that's what's cool is that the journey brings them out. The journey of life brings those things forward for us to better see when we say yes to life, when we say yes to the journey to moving forward and doing the hard things of following the yellow brick road and going to Oz despite these insecurities and problems that we might have. When we push forward, that's when the alternative story can become the dominant story. And that's where the wizard kind of seems to imply when he's talking to them that they had those things and they get these little tokens to kind of remind them of the journey. But it's also interesting because you could also interpret that as kind of a sidebar here. Like, Maybe the wizard is trying to fool them that he's the one that can give them to them. And I think sometimes, you know, as being the quote-unquote like experts, sometimes, again, going back to the last episode in that savior complex, we can make people think that we're the one giving them these things when in reality, we're helping people to see what might already be there. There's a great quote I heard uh, recently, and I don't know who said it, you know, for the Christian world, this idea of we want to see where God is moving, where God is already at work, and then we want to get in there. Right? That's I love that idea because as like narrative practitioners, we want to see where these alternative stories, where the absent but implicit, where the intentional states, where unique outcomes, where all these things are already taking place, and we want to we want to say that we want to be there. We want to go to those places. We want to talk more about them. We want to develop our understanding of them more. We want to ask good questions. And, and that's the, the kind of the enthusiasm. That's what I get enthusiastic about in, in reauthoring is helping people to, to go to those places and to see those things, to see them in your life. So again, and then asking ourselves, where do these ideas come from that we want life to be a certain way? You know, and as a, as a as a Christian, I, I feel like that's because we're created in the image of God. And being made in the image of God, there's this uh longing for for meaning and for these things. And that's a whole other like deeper conversation in terms of what that is. I mean, but even if you're not a Christian, there's this recognition that there's something. There's something that we are measuring these things against. Even if you look at like going back to the justice injustice thing, when we say that somebody has broken a law, we are saying that because that implies that there is a law that had to have been broken. There was a law that was set in place. And I know there's, there's tension also between what's called the normative gaze or norma, normalizing judgments where we can compare ourselves to other standards. And so the question that I have for you is what are your standards? What are your standards? What are you measuring the problems of your life against? And maybe that's a good starting place in all this. But all that to say, this idea of reauthoring is something that I'm very passionate about. And It's one of my favorite aspects of narrative practices. And if you're interested in that, in reauthoring your life, see, here's the thing. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I am going to reauthor your life. No, everybody is the protagonist of their own story. And you have to decide these things for yourself. And you have to bring in the influences that you want to help you do that. Now, whether it be other people, whether it be God, you have to decide that because you have agency. And I'm just saying here that I'd love to be a part of that journey if that's something you're interested in. Whether it's through workshops or coaching, please reach out to me. Info in the show notes. So yeah, um that's that's basically what I got for this one for reauthoring conversations. It kind of maybe fell a little all over the place as I was talking about it. But um but yeah, so you know, one maybe helpful exercise I'll I'll leave you with is there's these uh the landscapes. I think I've talked about this before on here, landscapes of action and landscapes of identity. So Again, landscapes of action is is the experiences. Talking about experiences in our lives and landscapes of identity is what conclusions, identity conclusions about ourselves are we drawing from those experiences. So, if you think about an experience maybe that you had recently, like like i'll I'll do just a simple example here. So I'm trying to help a, a friend of mine to to sell an estate that they inherited of comic books, a huge collection of like twenty five hundred. And so like, let me take that experience of trying to sell these comic books and all that. Okay, what identity conclusions can I draw about myself from that experience? Well, I put a lot of time into researching the value of those comics. So one of the things that I value through that that you can see is I value giving your best to something, to dedicating yourself to fully understanding something uh, before you go out there and try to sell it. So that's, that's something, you know, about myself. And that's something I've already known about myself, but it's something that I can look at that experience. And I see that part of myself there. I see me acting in that. And then I ask the question, is that what I want for my life? Yes. Yes, it is. I want to be that kind of person that aligns with my values. Actually, one of my core values is uh, dedicating myself to excellence, doing things with excellence. So When I'm in this experience of trying to help this guy sell the comic books, I can ask myself, am I doing all my research? Am I taking all things into consideration that need to be? So yeah, take an experience in your life. Could be big, could be small. See what that experience is telling you about yourself and then ask yourself, is that who I wanna be? Is that what I want for my life? And you might see unique outcomes. You might see the absent but implicit. You might see all these things emerging in the process. But yeah, that's probably a good place to end this. So thank you so much for checking out this episode, for reauthoring your life. And next week, uh, we're back for Why We Love. And I got the guys coming back again. And we're going to tackle X-Men, which should be a lot of fun. And so... It's, it's a ride being here on the All Things Narrative podcast. So thank you so much for tuning in. And I hope that wherever you are at, that you, when you are ready to reauthor your life, that you have people that you can reach out to to help you through that. If you don't, or if you want additional support, that's what we're here for at All Things Narrative. And until next time, thank you for tuning in and take care.